Good evening. Today I'm talking to Peter Boone on the release of his new book. Hiya, Peter. Would you Hello. like to tell everyone about yourself and about your new book? Hello, um, I'm Peter. You may have seen me before. This is my second interview with Donna and this is my um, third novel that I've just released. I'll be talking about it during my time with Donna this evening, but just so you can see the cover, you might have seen it around. This is my brand new mystery, um, Death in the Closet, which is the third Edward Quist mystery. And it, this launched on Monday and we're going to be talking about this and lots of other things, I'm sure, during my time with Donna this evening. Yes, indeed. I'll have to see if I can remember what I asked you before and make sure I ask you some different questions this time. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to give everyone a brief outline of what Death in the Closet is about? Um, yeah, so I'll start just for anyone that hasn't encountered me before, just to tell you a little bit about the series, and then I will go into the new novel. So um, the series is the Edward Crisp Mysteries. Um, they, they fall into the kind of cosy slash traditional mystery genre, kind of harking back to Agatha Christie style mysteries. And the two main characters are actually murder mystery fiction enthusiasts. So the lead um, amateur detective and the narrator, Edward Crisp, is a school librarian who's lived a quite sheltered life, um, has, has anxiety problems, hasn't really kind of ventured much outside of his little home village. And he kind of, he uses m um, reading murder mysteries as an outlet. And then the um, supporting detective, the sidekick is uh, a 17 year old called Noah, who is um, his student assistant librarian. Um, Noah falls onto the um, autistic spectrum uh, with the kind of form of autism that formerly known as Asperger's. And Noah kind of has kind of quite obsessive traits. But one of his traits is that he kind of seems to struggle to separate them, uh, their real life and uh, the mysteries that they read. So the very first book I wrote, which was out last year, was Who Killed Miss Finch? And that was about the head teacher of their school, who was a horrible character who got murdered. And Noel was pleased because he thought that they were now in their own murder mystery. Um, so it gets quite meta because obviously they are in their own murder mysteries. Um, and then their adventures continue from there. So I then released The Snow Day Murders in January, which is exactly as it says on the tin, where the, uh, the little village is snowed in. The police can't get in. No one can get out. So Edward, using all kinds of technology like Zoom, like we're using now, has to liaise with the police to solve the murder. Then I did release a little um, novella in between The Mystery of Jackson King, which you can get for free. But the next main novel, which released this week, is death in the closet so it was definitely my favorite one to write and a lot of my my reviewers have said it's been their favorite one to read as well so it carries on um it carries on edwards and noah's adventures but it's maybe a little bit more serious than the others but kind of a bit of a deeper meaning to it so it's still got the usual humor um you would expect a cosy mystery and we've still got the usual humour of characters like Noah, who's very outspoken and blunt and Edward's gossiping mother and so on. And there's a couple of other kind of funny characters, but the, the, the meaning behind the story and the theme of the story is something that has been important to me for a long time. 
So it deals with the fact that there are actually no openly gay footballers in English Premier League football. There have been um, footballers in the past who come out when they've retired or gone to play in another country, but there's never actually been a current top flight football player who's been openly gay. And there's lots of rumours in the press and on social media and so on that there are there are players in the Premier League who are gay who have maybe told a few people but aren't ready to come out. And I've always found it really interesting as to why that is. And kind of just giving a, a little bit of my personal life, I only came out myself quite late at the age of 25, which is a story in itself. I think I joked last week that it'll appear, it'll appear in my autobiography. But <laughs> joking aside, that kind of really inspired me to um, look into that and the, the central character who does come out is um, the same age as I was then, 25. So I've jumped ahead of myself there a little bit. But the central figure is um, a footballer called Kieran Juniper, who is completely fictional, plays for Beachy Head United, who, which are also completely fictional. I didn't want to risk getting sued by one of the big football teams. So I invented a team quite local to me that we've imagined have been kind of promoted quite quickly. And I actually tied that into the storyline that Kieran Juniper has been this star player over the last two or three years. And he's kind of rocketed them to kind of like the, the top leagues to the Premier League. And he's been like a superstar for the club. Um, but the premise of the story is that it's it's heavily rumoured and there's something that happens in the plot that makes us think that he is about to come out as gay. Um and that would be a big, big first in football if that was to happen. A Premier League footballer being openly gay. And on this evening, as his secret comes out, he is murdered. And then the, the plot falls into place as to why someone would murder him. Um, so it's a, the, a murder mystery in the kind of well, usual way. But I also wanted to use it as an opportunity to explore different opinions and views on this. Um so um, John has reviewed my book today, and so you, you know this, but one thing I tried in this book is something different, was um, including newspaper articles and like social media, like Facebook-style comments after it to show a range of views. So when the story breaks about the footballer coming out as gay, I show kind of obviously lots of praise and positive comments, but also some kind of some homophobic comments and people who are kind of less impressed with it. And I wanted to show a range of that as well. Um, it also kind of deals with the kind of fun of like um, lower level celebrities and like kind of Z-list celebrity culture and kind of the antics of wags and footballers who've got too much money. So there's still usual fun elements, but I really wanted to kind of cover this serious message as well. I actually had the idea um, years ago before I decided I was going to write mysteries and I actually started writing it as a kind of drama slash, um, I suppose it was going to be like a kind of gay rom-com kind of thing and I, I ended up deciding to kind of go with mysteries as a genre I'm writing it and then I came back to that idea and I thought why not make it a mystery and then death in the closet was born so I'm pleased that I finally kind of got around to kind of giving this idea and I've been quite lucky that a lot of the interviews so a lot of the sorry the reviews so far have kind of said that they enjoyed they still like the usual kind of light aspect and the humor but lots of people have kind of liked the message and like that it's made them think and a lot of people i've seen who've read it have been actually been surprised and not even realized that there aren't any openly gay um people in this area so um i'm ho i'm hoping as well as 
kind of giving people an enjoyable read that it makes people think a bit as well. And of course, it's released in Pride Month, which I kind of I delayed and did deliberately. And I think that's a good opportunity as well. Um, and I'm just hoping that it can make people think and it can inspire people um, to come out and it can kind of just make people have more awareness of a topic that's really important. Yeah, which it certainly does. Um, interestingly, as a result of reading that, I've had a couple of conversations now with people about the fact that there are no gay, openly gay footballers. And I don't think it's just the Premier League. I think it goes down as to the lower league in this country. And I'm pretty sure it's abroad as well, isn't it? I don't think it's, um, I don't think there are any out players or I certainly haven't heard of any. And um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day saying actually it makes us ashamed to be British or in a way because, you know, they know that they would get so much grief. And actually, yeah, it's probably true. So it's actually led to conversations just from your book. Yeah, there's um, there's there's a player in the um, in the lower leagues that's a, a, a semi-professional leagues called Liam Davis, who came out a few years ago, who was the first openly gay um, footballers who played in our country, but he wasn't a professional footballer. And I believe a couple of others at that level have followed as well. But otherwise, it's been players who have... Um, there was one player, Robbie Rogers, who retired um, and then came out. I think he, he played... He's an American chap, even though he played um, in England. And I think he played again in America again for LA Galaxy, I think. And then he... But he never came back here to play. And then I think there's a couple of other people who've retired or maybe played abroad after but no one has actually carried on to play in England which is it is kind of interesting really yeah it is and it is quite sad uh, I mean statistically it's just not possible that there's none so you know it's a shame that they don't feel that they can be themselves but there we are <laughs> Yeah, um, and it, it was funny because I, I had all that research um, for years and I researched it again as I was writing the book and that's where Noah's character came in, in useful. So what I did was, obviously, because I wanted to, to kind of give that information to the readers, um, but um, as a writer, and you know this, um, Donna, having been writing yourself, that you, you can't just do a big info dump of um, information unless you've got a main character who has Asperger's and has took delight in researching it all. So I actually used Noah in a kind of quite light way to kind of put that information across, which I thought um, I was I was quite lucky to do. So hopefully that worked quite well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, it was Yeah, it was really interesting as well. Um, I mean, I'm a massive football fan anyway, so um, I kind of knew the, about the, the history, but... Um, yeah, there were some facts that I didn't know. So, yeah, I thought it was great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and, and then, um, obviously, we... It, sorry, go on. No, it's fine. <laughs> I was just going to say, and then the, the other thing it explores is this idea of um, celebrity. So there's there's one there's one particular character um, for, for long-term readers of the series. Um, Patrick's girlfriend is a kind of wag super fan 
and between her and some of the social media comments, I wanted to show that kind of shallow kind of obsession with celebrity as well. And you see that in a couple of the wag characters and them kind of go, um, going out and kind of doing kind of endorsements and influences. And I wanted to show um, that as well. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, quite on the head, hit the nail on the head, I think, with those. Although, I mean, we don't know them, but I'm sure some of them aren't that shallow, but they seem to be. I'm not sure if it's me or you losing signal a bit, Donna. It's breaking up a little bit. Yeah, hang on a second. I'll try and think it's me. Yeah, my signal looks all right. I can try turning my Wi-Fi off and go into 4G. Oh, but... no. It's... Oh, that's what I'm going to do, go onto my uh, hotspot, because it's cutting off. If you're waiting, talk amongst yourselves for a minute. I'm not sure if Donna edits this bit out or not. So no. talk amongst yourselves. Or go and get a, <laughs> uh, go and get a cup of tea quick, or, or even better, <laughs> nip, nip onto Amazon and order my book. <laughs> definitely do, yeah, definitely do that, because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Should be all right in a second, hopefully. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Fingers crossed that's done the trick. We shall see. <laughs> we changed internet and oh, I'm yeah, sure it's, it's still rubbish. Yeah, it's worse actually, but there we are. <laughs> Yeah. Got mine. My frozen. Hello. Hello. You're back again. You were frozen for a second. <laughs> You're right. Yep. Aha. Right. Hopefully that's back to normal now. We shall see. You're just giving them extra time. Just giving them extra time to go and buy my book. That's what it was. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> That would mean they really need to, so, you know. <laughs> so, um, I was um, so, yeah, we were just talking about the wags and the celebrity culture then, weren't we? Yes. Um, and I was going to sort of ask, um, although I kind of know from last time, but obviously Noah and Asperger's, I mean, you, you're a teacher, so I guess you got um, inspiration from some of your students. Um, but his one-liners, are they purely made up or are they stuff you've heard um, teaching? Um, no, no, because, was, because mo most of them generally are specific to the situation he's in. So uh, Noah isn't um, based on one particular student that I've taught. He's based on kind of lots and lots of them um, over the years. And I, I even think some are... I've said this to you before when you interviewed me before that a few of my friends said to me that I think there's bits of me in every single character rather than in one set one. And I think kind of there's bits of me kind of in Noah as well, like there's bits of me in Edward and Edward's mum and so on. But yeah, I just kind of, I don't know, because I, I, I've talked about planning before, but I plan my scenes out and then I kind of just imagine those characters in them and Noah's lines just kind of, kind of come to me as I'm doing them. But as I mentioned before about the example of the research with the gay footballers, it can come in very handy for doing things like that. But the flip side of it is, um, if you notice, sometimes I send, send him off a couple of times because 
he is quite blunt. And if you're staying true to his character, it might not always be suitable um, for him to be there. But a couple of readers did say in uh, my little, it was my, my little um, novella, Jackson King particularly, that he was out of the way quite a bit. So I tried to find ways to bring him in. Uh, I actually made a kind of joke of it this time because when I was writing, there's a scene where they go to see um, the murdered footballer's parents the next day and they're grieving. And I thought to myself, my God, I can't have known in this scene. But I made it, I, I kind of built it into the storyline that Noel was trying to prove he was mature and that he could do it. And then uh, you'll see that what that ha- how that goes when you when you read the book. But I kind of tried to build that into it rather than just ignore him and shunt him off. Because just for anyone that's not read my books, Edward is a first-person narrator, so Edward is obviously always in it, unless it's like the newspaper articles or the social media comments I mentioned. It's Edward's perspective all the way through. And then obviously, so there are some chapters we get Edward without Noah. But because Noah was kind of, gained quite a bit of a fan base and a couple of my readers have said they don't want him kind of disappearing off as much I tried to kind of rectify that a bit in this and try to have him in as much as possible leading to I imagine most people's favourite line in the whole book as well <laughs> what the cup of tea one <laughs> yeah. yeah quite a few reviewers have picked that out as there, there. <laughs> so um, Noah when he's allowed to go with Edward to see the grieving parents he um, he spends quite a lot of time studying what he should and shouldn't do. And then he's he, he's learned that when people are upset, you should offer them a cup of tea. So he get, gets taken off to make the cup of tea. Um, poor, the, the footballer's poor mum is obviously very upset. And as he's going off, he says, does she take milk and sugar? I don't want to get a drink wrong because she's been through enough. And quite a lot of people seem to have quite liked that line. <laughs> so, yeah, I try and bring kind of humour. And I think it's important when you... Because writing cozies is a fine line because you want to write kind of fun, cozy, kind of quirky mysteries. But I, you don't want to, sh- I'd never want to shy away or take away from the fact that there's um, a murder involved, and murder involved, uh, murder usually um, includes grieving loved ones. And I do like to show those things, but obviously I don't want to get it too heavy. So, Noah along with Edward's mum, who's a big gossip, are quite good ways of kind of balancing that out. Because <laughs> I've read quite a few cosy um, mysteries. Um, and Nagatha Christie is one of my favourite, favourite ever authors, um, was even guilty of this sometimes, is that sometimes the kind of people can just feel like props around solving the puzzle. And I never want to do that. I always want to make be, seem like real people. So I do explore things like um, upset relatives and family and friends and the impact that uh, murders would have on a little village. I mean, that, that's another kind of thing that I kind of bring into it because obviously it's a joke, isn't it, with with things like Murder, She Wrote and Midsummer Murders that all the murders happen in the same village or all the murders follow this lady around. So I kind of bring, bring that into it about all the murders in the village and kind of people comment as to why there's so many do they follow Edward Brown. So I think it's important not to ignore things like that and kind of bring it into the kind of joke so it's acknowledged. Yeah, it definitely it comes across. Um, and I like um, this book particularly. It feels like you really know the characters now. Um, you know, it feels... Um, like, you know, you know what to expect from each of them, which was quite nice, I thought. Yeah, and what, what I also like is I feel like I've got, like, a roster of good characters, like a bank of characters that I can use 
for whatever the situation needs. So one of Edward's um, good friends, his housemate Patrick, has a lot more to do in this um, book because I've mentioned briefly in in the couple of other books that he's a football fan and I needed a football fan in this to kind of introduce that side of things. So he has a lot to do. Similarly, I needed someone um, to be wag obsessed to kind of introduce that side of it with the being obsessed with all the footballers' wives and his girlfriend played that part. I did think of, do, of giving Edward's mum that kind of role, but then I thought someone kind of following all the uh, footballers' wives on like Instagram and Twitter and so on, I felt like there was someone maybe a bit younger because I, I did worry that um, I've spoke to a couple of my regular readers about it if, in hindsight after I finished if Edward's mum had enough to do because she's had quite a lot to do in the last few bits but I think she's still got a few kind of funny moments and I think what's good is in this village and these characters I've introduced you can rotate them as you need them and then obviously another big introduction without too many spoilers is the journalist character Fiona that comes into this one that's going to play a big part in the series so she um so it's not too much for spoiler to say Noah, uh, Noah's latest interest is becoming a trainee journalist. So she ends up getting involved in the investigation with Edward and Noah. And again, um, I think it's good to introduce a female character to that little um, team of investigators. And again, um, readers so far have, have been very positive and said they, they've liked her and they want to see more of her um, going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, she was cool, and also she gets Noah, which is really, really nice because you know, obviously, not everyone can handle the, you know, the quirkiness of people like that. So yeah, it was nice to read that she gets him and she knows how to deal with him and um, and doesn't care about his bloodline. I kind, I, I kind of use Noah like that. So we, I quite often have like the characters that aren't very nice. I might, I usually have them making like a nasty comment about Noah or something. Do you know what you say? I kind of use Noah like, do you know what you say when you can tell if someone's a good person, if the, if the dog likes them, if they're nice to dogs? I kind of I use Noah like that. So if I want to show that someone's a bit of a baddie, I'll just make them make a flippant remark about Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so many little undercurrent messages that you've got going on. <laughs> I know, I just, I feel like, um, I think this is kind of my strongest book because of the, because obviously the message behind it is very personal to me and I've brought my own coming out into it. And I think it's a combination of that and kind of knowing my characters and finding my stride um, with the series. And I, 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 I love writing them. Like I've started, the next one, Definitely Dead Chair, is out in August and I've started writing that already and I can't wait every day to kind of spend a bit of time in Chalk Gap Village with Edward and Noah and everyone else and, it's just really, they're just really, really fun to write. And do you think you're going to carry on writing them for a long, long time? Um, yeah, I have got, um, to, so a little bit of an exclusive for you, that I've got a certain point where they are, I've got a couple more, and then there's a certain point, I can't tell you um, because it spoils something that quite, Big that happens for Edward, and that's it, even the title of the book. But um, there's some, it's going to come to quite a big point where there's a bit of a change in Edward's life. And I've got um, a quite kind of big mystery plans that incorporate because I all my books are all standalone, so they don't spoil any others. But this one I've got planned is kind of a little bit bigger in that it brings in some of the old mysteries, and there's a big change for Edward in that. 
And then after that, I'm going to have, um, I'm going to give Chalk Gap a little break for a couple of books and try a couple of other things, which I'm still kind of in the process of working out. Awesome. <laughs> well, that sounds exciting. And I can't wait to find out what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell you a little bit. I'm, I'm quite interested in... Um, I've read some great um, police procedurals lately. Like, I've always loved um, Cara Hunter, but I read her latest one a few weeks ago. Um, and like many people on your page and other um, Facebook um, crime book pages, I've uh, I've totally fell in love with um, Mike Craven's books with Poe and Tilly. They're fantastic. There's not too not too many. Uh, not too many differences between Noah and Tilly and I've really liked that and I've really liked kind of the police procedural side of reading those kind of books and as you know mine are cosy mysteries but they're also suitable um, for young adults as well and particularly in this book as I was writing a few times it felt natural like the characters would um, would swear a little and obviously one of the rules of both cozies and young adult is that you don't really include swear words so between kind of some of the things I've been reading lately and kind of how that series is developing I just feel like um, that I'd be I'd have a quite good goal of writing kind of a police procedural type um, series I have got um, an idea for that which I think is really unique and has never been done before but I'm not going to I'm not going to say that but what I am going to say that is I am going to be looking at writing a police procedural type series for our release next year. Ooh, that's awesome. That's wicked. I can't wait. <laughs> so what was I going to ask you? Um, I remember now. <laughs> You've completely thrown me by exciting. Oh, sorry. News. No, it's um, fine. It happens I don't all mind, the time. Um, I don't mind talking a little bit preempting before you ask me all, all the awkward questions. I don't mind talking a little bit. I mentioned briefly <laughs> about my kind of personal experiences going into this novel. So um, I'm I only came out at the age of um, 25, which at 42 is 17 years ago now. So that was in 2004, um, back in Wigan, where 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 I lived. Um, Strange time of my life. It was. It was. I was. I was um, straight in inverted commas before that. Um, I had a girlfriend for a long time. Living back in Wigan in the nineties, I don't think really kind of openly gay was different to how it is now. Both in the kind of where I lived at the time and um, the decade I was in, it wasn't anything I ever really thought about. I just kind of before I knew it, I was just kind of at this age where I was swept along and kind of straight was the norm and then that was it really and then obviously as I came out at 25 my life changed for the better like my life changed for the better last year when I published for the first time and really I wanted to kind of honour that and kind of put that into the character which is why I made the gay character in the novel the same age as that and that was really good for me to do I really enjoyed it and I think that's why a lot of reactions have been my kind of best reactions so far. And people have said that it feels kind of really personal and real. And I think that's why, because um, as much as I've loved writing the other ones and the other ones have kind of been loosely based on my own experiences as a teacher and so on and kind of living in this beautiful area. But I think this is the book that's kind of got most of me and my own experiences in it. 
um, you make the character or the few characters that come out, um, it, their parents knew all along. Was that the case with you as well? Um, yeah, my my uh, mum did say that. Um, I think that they were kind of shocked at the time because I'd obviously, um, they'd known me to be straight and I'd gone out with um, a girl for a long time. But on reflection, my mum said, yeah, she probably did know all along. Although, Donnie, you are verging on the borderline of spoilers, so we... <laughs> Okay. We'll we'll, okay. we'll we'll talk more about me than in the book, but yeah, the the kind of the, the bit about um, parents always knowing, and I had to be careful with that because there might be a um a, um a gay reader that says their parents didn't know, but I do that I kind of found that, and I thought it was important to put that kind of into the book. Yeah, I thought just that was an interesting little um thing, you know. People say parents know their kids better than anyone, so it does make me wonder. But it's a shame that people still have to come out, isn't it, anyway? Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, Although, and that, that's, again, that's why I wanted to release it in Pride Month, because, I mean, I, I say, I, I talk about this in the um, in the back of the book. In fact, I think the early version you got, John, didn't include this, so I'll send it to you, but... As well as my usual acknowledgements, I do an author's notes and I talk a couple of pages about my experience and how, why and how I brought it into the book. Um, and I completely lost my thread. What was I saying then? What was my reason for saying that? <laughs> I'll just read that bit of the book and remind me. Oh, yeah, I've got it. So I, I said I mentioned in there that um, I'm very lucky, like obviously 17 years after coming out, I've had kind of very minimal kind of adverse reactions or hatred. Obviously, there's odd comments, but... I've been very lucky and I know it's not the same for everyone in the whole LGBTQ plus community. Um, so even though I've kind of been relatively lucky that I've not faced much homophobia directly, I know that a lot of people do. I read a lot of it online. I've seen it on social media. I've had kind of occasional comments from students that I've taught and I wanted to kind of make that point in Pride Month that even though we're, um, me and many others are very lucky, um, there's still lots to do like this in area of um, uh, this this area that I found of uh, professional premiership football. There are no gay players. There are still lots of countries where it's illegal to be gay. And I just think, um, obviously, I've got a lovely pride front cover, rainbow on the front. But obviously, pride is about more than just kind of rainbow flags and pride parades. And I just wanted to kind of make my small contribution to that. Yeah, I love that. I love the rainbow on the front as well. It's such a cool cover as well. I really like it. <laughs> it really stands out. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm good friends with our local um, Pride coordinator. So Eastbourne Pride's been running for a few years. And from my first book, Who Killed Miss Finch, I gave that they have, we have like a little kind of community hub, like um, um, an LGBT cafe and all the proceeds of that goes towards funding Eastbourne Pride. So I gave them copies of Miss Finch and I'll certainly be giving them copies of Death in the Closet to sell and then the proceeds of those then go towards Pride. So I didn't want to kind of have an empty message of, oh, I'm kind of getting involved in Pride Month and having this message without kind of doing my bit myself. So I I, I do have copies of my books that go to um, the people who run Eastbourne Pride and then they donate the money from that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what's been your favourite moment so far being an author? Um, I don't know. I remember you asked me that in the last interview, and I'd, on, I'd only re relatively recently been published then. 
I think you're doing something for my second book. Was it in January for Snow Day Murders? I think. Yeah, something um, like that. Oh, oh, honestly, Donna, there's so many. Like, um, there's so many lovely messages that I read. Um, I mean, there's there's the kind of actual achievements that I've had that the um, the Amazon bestseller badges that. Um, Look, all my books have been number ones in different kind of subcategories. Uh, the big one is Who Killed Miss Finch and Snowdy Murders have both been number one in Young Adult Mystery and Thriller, which is massive. And I think I mentioned that actually last time because Who Killed Miss Finch knocked off the brand new Hunger Games book, which was really big at the time from the Young That's Adult right. Mystery and Thriller category. <laughs> and I've mentioned before, and lots of kind of people who follow indie authors or indie authors themselves watching this will know to be an indie author on Amazon is no small feat because, I mean, any author, obviously, and I know um, people who are with traditional publishing houses kind of struggle with publicity as well. But to, like, I, like for example, I I spend like five times a day on my adverts because that's all I can afford. To compete against the kind of big publishers and the big top names is a massive feat. And to say that I've gone, and I've just realised I'm going to talk about what my best moment is now, actually, um, when we spoke last time in January, I just transferred from full time as a teacher to part time. And now I teach two days a week with half a day's planning. So I work two and a half days a week. And to say I was able to do that from January with two books out and now a third has been amazing. And I, I mentioned to you, John, off camera before we started, I'm hoping to have one more academic year working part time. And then if it's continuing at the rate it has been with my book releases and how well each one does and the read through, I'm hopefully projecting that I might be able to have a go at being full time as an author. So I think to sum that up, that is my kind of best moment of it, that it's actually been way more than what I thought it was going to be, like a little project or hobby or sideline. And it's actually starting to become my career. I just, I sometimes I just pinch myself. Like you have, I don't know if you do it, but you just have, like, you kind of roll along. Then you have those kind of surreal moments where you, where I might kind of catch my book in the corner of my living room, or I might get like a nice message online. I see a view and I think, oh my God, I've actually got books out. And it seems, I don't know if that will, um, more experienced authors will tell me that that will ever go away. I'm like nearly a year in. And some days <laughs> I just absolutely can't believe it. It just seems really surreal. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously my book's not out yet, but um, seeing the cover, I was like, okay, I've actually written a book and this is happening. And then, um, you know, people keep asking us for like blurbs and author yeah, profiles yeah, yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, what? I don't want to I can't do these things. And apparently, yeah, um, I am and I have to. I was like, okay. <laughs> Now, all, all, all loves first are amazing, aren't they? Like seeing your cover for the first time and you you um what you'll get this when you actually get the paperback version arrived for the first time, when you see it listed on Amazon, your first review, your first friend or family member that messages to tell you they enjoyed it. It's just all it's just one of the best feelings ever. It's, but obviously yeah. it's more than that because that's obviously all the kind of nice kind of publicity and glory side of it but you're doing all this for something that you enjoy doing like we have a running joke with my partner and my housemate about me kind of not working much because obviously I work part-time now but it doesn't actually feel like work like going to teach feels like work but sitting here kind of writing these books it doesn't feel like work because I love doing it it just feels like I'm, bit, I'm able to kind of sell my books 
and kind of half make a living out of something that I love so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've loved every minute of it so far. And yeah, I can't wait for it to actually come out. So uh, I can. Yeah. So your book's out, is it August, is it? August the 17th, which also happens to be my birthday. So. Oh, wow. Deliberate. Yeah. Well, kind of. Jim's just like, I want to bring it out on the 17th. And I understand that's your birthday. Is that okay? I'm like, hell yeah, of course it is. Why not? <laughs> oh my god, I just realized. Oh my god, wow. 17th of August, that's the day I published last year. I know. Yeah. That's my publication date. Yeah. That's amazing. So we've got to say, but so that because I, I booked um I was very lucky that um a, a local theatre in Eastbourne um did um I did a launch night with them for my first book. And I'm doing Agatha Christie night for them in a couple of weeks that people might see me advertise. But I'm gonna do like a one year on as an author little evening there and that's on the 17th of august so your your publication date will be my one year book anniversary and then we'll always share the same publication anniversary but obviously one year on so that's really nice that's cool yeah and hopefully all being well i will be down on the south coast somewhere um with my friend zoe who's bringing out her book on the same day so yes (laughs) fun fun I'm not sure oh, where, where, where were you going to? Um, I want to say Folkestone, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I said oh, okay. yeah, that, that, that's, that's a bit away from us towards Dover, yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> so all three of the books have been released on the same day? Yeah, if the other two hurry up and finish writing them, <laughs> which they still <laughs> have Will they be watching this interview? <laughs> It's fine. I'll, I'll nag them. I nag them anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Hopefully. I think so. What made you choose um, What made you choose horror as a genre? Is that just what they were doing and then they asked you to be part of it? Um, well, Jim wanted to recreate the um, sort of old point horror books. Um, as oh, that's a right. Yeah, I'm just saying that. Yeah, that's great because he really wants kids to read and he wants kids to write, actually. So he wanted to create a series of books with different authors, but um, he wants kids to collect them. So they've got um, like a gold banner at the top and they're numbered so that hopefully oh, kids will want to collect them yeah. so that they're all... Um, and mine's number three, which is rude, considering I'm the first one that's finished it. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> Yes, it should be the other way around, shouldn't it? I should be number one. You know, Jimmy yeah, that, that's I mean, I mentioned before that I, I, I mean, my books are kind of enjoyed and read by adults, and I aim them at adults mainly, but they are also aimed at young adults, and it is for that reason. Obviously, as an English teacher, and I want students to be encouraged to read, and there are lots of people who've enjoyed it and then got their kind of teenage son or daughter to read it, and. I think there is that crossover. And I think if you think of these kind of massive, amazing franchises like Harry Potter and Hunger Games and all those, and I don't think we necessarily have to kind of box into kind of adult and young adult. And one of the other reasons I kind of went into writing for young adults as well is, as I mentioned previously, Agatha Christie is my inspiration. And I've seen quite a few kind of articles and crime writers where they mention um, that they started reading Agatha Christie 
at a young age and it was the gateway from kind of Enoch Blight and Famous Five, uh, Secret Seven to Agatha Christie. And I wanted to recreate that appeal of books that appeal to kind of all generations that a teenager can read it and then your granny can read it. And that's what I wanted to go for as well as like you said, with your colleagues getting um, young people to read more. And the other thing I think that's good, which I always tell people is obviously um, we sell, I sell my books in paperback and on Kindle and lots of readers like me, um, myself have a Kindle, but I think the Kindle app you can get on your phone is a fantastic way to almost kind of trick um, young people into reading because if you said oh here's a book or here's a kid they'd be like oh get away but I, I, I know quite a few people who have got their teenagers to kind of read through the Kindle app on their phone and I think that is a kind of quite good way around it because they they all that kind of stigma of reading that they might have kind of picked up from other kids in school or whatever kind of takes that away a little bit and I think I always try and encourage that so anyone watching that is trying to encourage their um, children or people they teach or anyone, any young people they know to read, that is my tip, that get them to download the free Kindle app. You can actually buy um, on Amazon um, where I sell my books and kind of where most lots of us sell our books. In On every Amazon um, book page, there is a gift for others. So if your son or daughter or your child has got their um, Kindle app, you can gift it to them. You can buy a book for them for 99p or 2 99 or whatever. And you can then send it to send a link to them for them to redeem. And then that book goes straight onto their phone. So um, whether that's my book or someone else's or um, Donna and her colleagues' um, new horror series, that's definitely something worth trying, kind of sending, buying books for your um, child or your teenager to read on their Kindle phone and gifting it to them. That's really interesting, actually. I wasn't, um, I wondered about uh, whether kids read Kindles. You know, I don't really know any, so I wasn't sure, but um, I'm pleased about that, actually. That's good. There's hope for the young generation yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, and I've slightly. Oh, my, uh, um, my next book I've not talked about yet. Do you want me to mention that a little bit? Absolutely. So my next book is, um, it's out the 2nd of August, which is only about seven weeks away, and it is Death in a Debt Chair. Now, funny story with this one is um, I had um, my first kind of venture into mystery writing. I think I've told of this before, but when I was 14, I wrote and had performed by a local theatre group a murder mystery play. Um, that was originally titled Death in a Debt Chair. Now, I changed the title because as a kind of young, naive teenager, I, um, I was in a library one day with my mum and I saw a book called Death in a Debt Chair and I panicked and thought I was going to get sued and changed it to Killer on the Costa. And obviously since then, as an adult, I've learned that there's no copyright on book titles, so I could have had that anyway. Um, but I'm now, I've wanted to write a summer mystery kind of a bit like Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile or Even Under the Sun. And I really love that title. I think it kind of fits into my brand of like kind of retro traditional mysteries. And I wanted to use that title, so I did. But I will say it isn't the same plot as the play. And the reason it isn't the same plot as the play is I haven't got a clue what the play was about or who died <laughs> or who, who did the murder or anything. I know that I had a play out when I was 14. I know that it was... That it was called Death in a Debt Chair, changed to Killer on the Costa. I know it was set on the Costa del 
Vauxhall somewhere. And that is pretty much the limit of what I know. I can't remember who was killed and why. And I wrote this thing. <laughs> so um, I've got a really, um, a, a really fun plot planned. So um, we were kind of out of the village for the last book, Death in a Deck Chair. We were kind of around Brighton and the football stadium and so on. But we're firmly back in the village for this in that um, a big, fancy, grand luxury hotel has been built on Short Gap Seafront. Um, it's um, it's owned by a really um, eccentric, rich, old millionaire guy who's got more money than sense, um, kind of quite, buys quite kind of tasteless, tacky things. And he is making this big to-do of opening this big um, fancy hotel in a little tiny village. Um, any regular readers like you, Donna, can already imagine the reaction of characters like Edward's mum who's going to be frightened of losing the business. Um, but Edward and Noah and a couple of other characters are going to be invited to the exclusive opening night. But when you get there, you'll find that the guests and the staff at the exclusive opening night are all there for a particular reason. And there's more to it than what it seems. Awesome. Again, so that's the... That's the the premise of it. And that's going to be out in on the 2nd of August. So um, I'm in the middle of writing that now and I'm really excited for it. And I can't wait for people to read it. Yep, I can't wait to read it as well. That sounds wicked. And then do you know what you're doing after that? Are you sticking with the sort of seasonal? You're going to do like a Halloween mystery? (laughs) No. So after that is the one I mentioned that's kind of like the big kind of blockbuster one that's going to kind of end Edward Chris for a while and then I've got a little um Christmas novella planned as well like so my little Jackson King which I released which many some of you might have read about a third to a quarter of length of the usual novels so I've got a Christmas one like that because I didn't want to I didn't want to I wanted to do a Christmas novel but I didn't want to do it is part of the series because I think it might, if people read them in order and they discover the books and they're in April or August and they might be put off by reading a Christmas book. That's why I made Snow Day Murders kind of winter themed rather than Christmas themed. So it's going to be a kind of standalone novella that you can then choose to read as part of the series or not. And that is going to be called A Body on Boxing Day. And the reason I chose that title is it is... Again, I'm, you're always looking to, to kind of do something different and have a bit of a different twist on things. But I saw lots of kind of Christmas-themed books, murder mysteries, rom-coms and whatever. But I didn't really see much on Boxing Day. So I thought, and obviously I've got the alliteration with the body. So I thought body on Boxing Day and then that was born. So. <laughs> awesome. So you've got lots planned for the rest of the year. Good stuff. Yeah. And then into next year with the crime, hopefully the police procedural. <laughs> yeah, we're trying something different, and I've got a, I've got an idea for um, a standalone novel that I fancy doing as well. Um, but yeah, you all, I, I kind of have a vague idea of kind of what I'm doing. Um, someone suggested to me the other day about did I fancy making Jackson King because it was quite well. I would see the little novella into a full novel but I said even though I quite liked it no because I've got kind of ideas queuing up <laughs> I've got so, so many so many ideas and so many things planned and I'm 
uh, I, I'm trying to kind of get through them all and kind of, I change my mind about what's releasing what order because different things kind of excite me at different times and so on. Because I was originally going to do Death in the Closet as follow-up to Miss Finch. And then when I thought about it, I thought, well, hang on. Snow Day Murders is perfect to release in wintertime. Death in the Closet is perfect to release in kind of early summer when it's all the Pride season. And then obviously Death in a Deck Chair in summer. So uh, that's the kind of order I went with. But I do, I, I constantly, a bit again, a bit like Noah, I always use the notes app on my phone for lots of jotting down all different things I think of. And I start kind of, every time I have an idea about a plot or a character, I've got like a folder in my notes for each one. So I probably got, probably like the next four or five books at different kind of stages of planning <laughs> blimey yeah uh, I'm also guilty of I have uh, book reviews going back ages in my notes app and uh, cool words that I find in books I write them in my notes app in the meaning and loads of addresses which seems to freak some people out because I've got lots of authors addresses but they're in my notes app <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. especially Jim who is technically my boss Seems very yeah. scared that I have lots of authors' addresses, but he won't give me his. So oh. I see what the problem is. I know roughly where he lives because you know he tells people, but he won't tell me his address, which is fine. <laughs> Bloody wimp, honestly. Don't know what he thinks I'm gonna do. I'm hardly gonna turn up at his house, am I? <laughs> I'm sure that's what he thinks. <laughs> um, one of my favorite questions recently, and this is gonna <laughs> be you never know. <laughs> um, as some I've threatened, but Jim, nah, he scares me. No, he doesn't really. He's a scat. <laughs> um, so yeah, one of my favourite questions is, who was your first celebrity crush? My first celebrity crush. Yeah. Um, I don't actually know, and that's kind of a funny one to ask after what we've been talking about because exactly, obviously yeah. <laughs> um, on paper and kind of in public as a kind of young man and teenager I was straight but obviously kind of it's quite complex for to answer that really. <laughs> yeah that's why what, I other, what other dodgy questions have you got you sleeve? <laughs> I don't know I could ask lots of different questions <laughs> depends on how cool I want to be you always have some <laughs> sorry it depends on how cool I want to be. Not very. I know. This, this is always my least favourite part of your interviews, your questions. I always feel like I'm at a job interview where they're trying to catch you out. <laughs> and this is my favourite part. This is where I get to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked you your most embarrassing story last time, didn't I? So I can't ask you Yeah, that. you did. Yeah. People have started catching on to that now, so it's not so fun. So Celebrity Crush is fun because I've made quite a few people blush, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to be an author soon, you know. You're going to be on the opposite end of this. I am fully aware of this, yes. People are already rubbing their hands with glee, at watching me squirm. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm creating a rod for my own back, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What goes around comes around. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm still not going to ask you some horrible questions, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't. Um, what's your most treasured possession? 
Um, my and again, this actually in the book, my um, Agatha Christie collections. So both me and Edward Crisp have three full Agatha Christie collections in different editions, and then I've probably got my way towards a fourth one as well, um, with all kind of bits of um, kind of different various traditions. So I've I've got all the nice modern. I'll just I'm next to my bookshelf, so I'll show you one. Um, I've got like the kind of more modern um, Harper Collins ones with all the kind of modern colours, and these are what I kind of took my inspiration from with my covers really because they're all kind of really bright colours that don't kind of, other than the name at the top, they don't all link to each other. They're just kind of linked to the theme of the book, and they're always kind of nice, bright with lots of kind of reds and things. And it was these kind of covers that inspired my kind of covers because my approach of having a different cover with only the kind of font of my name linking them visually is quite unusual because most authors really, for kind of, especially writing in series, they have kind of similar covers to each other. But I, um, again, and, uh, along with kind of writing simultaneously for adults and young adults, I've kind of tried to break the mould a bit and kind of try and do something different. And it was kind of inspired by these kind of covers. But yeah, my three Agatha Christie collections are my most treasured possession. Um, if I was to ask your lovely partner what your most annoying habit was, what would you say? He would say, how long have I got to tell you? Get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you saw yourself when he was trying to help me set up the camera, I was bossing him about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> Is there one that he would pick on or, or would he genuinely have a list? <laughs> yeah, he would have a list, but yeah, probably kind of um, bossy, stroppy, um loud and annoying yeah probably <laughs> you probably have a list yeah <laughs> i always wonder that when i ask I that if he's you... happy when i go out <laughs> sorry go on as i always wonder if people go off and ask afterwards and get the answer that they're expecting or something completely different <laughs> <laughs> put it this way i think he's happy when i go go off the, uh, and do some writing so we can get some peace and quiet for a bit <laughs> <laughs> if he comes back in once we've finished recording i'll ask him and see what he says <laughs> yeah no i mean all, like, all seriousness like you probably anyone that's seen my kind of book dedications um graham um, isn't a writer he doesn't even like reading but he's amazing he's like my rocky today i can't even begin to list the kind of things he does for me he's fantastic so i don't know where i'd be without him so yeah yeah it is um me and Leslie spoke about that actually. It was really sweet. So yeah, Leslie Lloyd. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, I know. Le I know Leslie'd be watching. She was asking me what time we were doing the video so she could watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Leslie. Yeah, she's asked me quite a few times. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure yeah. to tell her when it's up. Yeah, yeah, she'll be yeah she'll be pleased with that. I think she said if it's too late, she'll watch it in the morning. Yeah, she watches all my interviews. Actually, she's great. So, yeah, yeah. that's how she. Um, that's how she found me actually by watching your first interview because she hadn't come across it before. But it was watching my first interview after Snowmate Snow Day Murders because obviously, um, she doesn't really uh, usually read too many cozies, and it was how she found me. And now she's um, one of my um, very thorough proofreaders, and yeah, like. 
that again, um, I mentioned before when you were asking me about kind of favorite moments, it is just kind of all the kind of readers and fellow writers and book community that I've met um, online it has, has been probably the best part of it. It's been amazing. Like pe people like yourself and Leslie and Sam from the, uh, the Crime Book Club and lots of like people I've met on Instagram. I feel like I know them in real life and it's kind of, it's, it's, been, it's been amazing. Yeah, it is lovely, isn't it? It really is. I'm exactly the same, even though I haven't met people, you know, it feels like I know them as well as anyone else. So, yeah, I love it as well. It's great. <laughs> well, I won't ask you any more cool questions. I will <laughs> just say, unless um, there's anything you don't think I haven't asked you that you want to tell us, but I think you've told us most things, so. Yeah, above uh, most things I had in my head, I've said, even. Um, anyone who's watching this and there's anything that I haven't answered or you want to know, you can pop a comment um, on Donna's post or drop me a message. I'm always pleased to hear from people. Um, but yeah, as ever, it's been lovely to chat with you, Donna. Um, it's been nice to talk about books. It's really nice to hear about your forthcoming book as well. Um, I'll be watching, I'll be reading that and we're looking forward to that. And thank you as ever. And thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you again, and always. Um, so yeah. you, <laughs> just want to remind everyone where they can find you and where they can buy your book from. Yeah, so um, I'm on um, Facebook and Instagram as Peter Boone Author. Um, my books are available on Amazon. Just a quick mention, he says as he drops one of his books. <laughs> um, Death in the Closet is the current one. That's the one we've been talking about with the gay footballer being murdered. If you're really interested in that topic and you wanted to read this book particularly, you could read this as a standalone. I deliberately write them so they work as their own novels. But if you're interested in the mysteries generally and the characters, you'd probably be better going back to the beginning with Who Killed Miss Finch. Um, all of these are on Amazon. You can... If you do find my uh, Facebook or Instagram page, Peter Boone Author, you'll find links to my books on there, or you can put my name or any of the book titles in the Amazon search and you will find them there. It will indeed. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And I'll see you all soon.